0: a bunch of those to those kids at Kids Harbor. They need some love. They need to feel like they're, uh, that people know that they are there and that the people are wanting to provide for them and that there's a, you know, a God that loves them and that there's a church that wants to provide and help take care of them during this holiday season. Amen? Amen. All right, that's it for announcements. Uh, Pastor Ryan is going to make his way up this morning. If you'll do me a favor and give him a hand as he comes up. How's everybody doing this morning. Y'all excited about today? (laughs) Y'all are saying he forgot the offering. (laughs) Well, I'm going to take that up this morning. Is that okay? Is that okay with everybody? Well, I'm glad everybody's doing good. I've had a good week. I enjoyed watching my Cowboys go 12 and 1. (sighs) I'm sorry. If you're not a Cowboy fan, I'm sorry. I really am sorry, <laughs> I'm joking, I like the Texans too, they're my second favorite team and um, we have lots of different fans in here, the Lord the Lord really knew what he was doing, he brought me here, he brought me lots of competition, we got Redskins fans, the Lord help their soul and uh, Colts fans and all kinds of fans but I enjoy football, I'm a little sad that Friday night lights is over. But our boys did good this year, and I'm believing they're going to do better this year, next year. Uh, I'm a little biased because my son plays, and I uh, told him he should have played harder. It's all his fault. <laughs> and, uh, but um, we got a gr- I got a great message for you today. We're going to dive into Christmas. I got a series we're going to start today called Following the Star, A Christmas Journey. And uh, how many of y'all ready to take a journey with me today? I'm hoping to give you some wisdom that you've never heard before. And so, but first I wanted to open up to Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 real quick. Jerry, can we do that yet? It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are helped. How do you know that this is the Christmas season? It's all about giving, it's all about helping others. And we have lots of stuff going on in our community right now. Uh, the police department's fixing to do shop with a cop. I think at this point, they're up to helping with 70 kids. It's $100 to sponsor a kid. If you want to help them with that, you can do that. Run by the police department. Give them a $100 bill. officer's going to take that child, take them through Walmart, and let them buy whatever their heart desires for that $100. Last year, we did this. We helped out. They meet here at the church, and they leave from there. Me and Pastor Jennifer like being a part of it. Shelly's a part of it. We just have a blast, and the officers take these kids, and they put a positive influence in their life. And You wouldn't believe what these kids asked for for Christmas. I mean it's it's amazing. Last year, little boy said, I just want a new pair of shoes and a coat. These kids aren't asking for extravagant stuff. They just want a coat to stay warm. They want a pair of shoes on their feet. And they just they want the basic necessities that we're all blessed with. And, and so if you want to help with that, help out with that. Uh, we're gonna be doing stockings for kids Harbor because this church is about giving. Amen. We, we love to give, and uh, if you're a guest, we're not asking you to give in our offering today. This is this is on us. Just don't worry about it, and we're glad you're here. Thank you for being with us in the house of the Lord this morning. We hope you enjoy our service, but if you're a member of this church today, it's offering time, and, and I'm going to ask you all for the next, through Christmas, just really be giving with us and helping us out. The month of November, I'm going to share some family business real quick, so if you're a guest, excuse me. But the month of November, we were down $10,000 over last year in giving. And we have budgets to make. For the year, we're about $40,000 down for the year um, to 65. I think the red number, we're in the red because Trump subsidizes us about sixty-five dollars to $70,000 for the year. And so I'm just asking you to do your very, very best and to give as much as you can over the next few months to help us out to get us out of the red into the new season we're going. Enough about that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this offering today. I thank you for your will to be done. Father, what you want to do in a church, do it in this church. What you want to do with the people, Father, do it with our people. What you want to do in a city, do it in this great city of Angleton, Lord. And Father, guide us in all the steps that we take. You said you're a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Every step that we, are, we take, Father, let it be ordained, By you, in your name we pray. Amen. Bless the people that give today. Usher's going to take this up. Don't don't forget, right after church, Christmas trail meeting, we're going to stay in here. We're going to dismiss our guest. I just need about 10 minutes of your time. Give me 10 minutes so that we can bless our community. Amen? Amen. If you see somebody that's not here today, call them and say, where were you? I know it's raining, but it's a good day. You can't do nothing in the rain anyway. Come to church. I'm going to ask you to open with me to Matthew 2 today as we get started. And my question for this series over the next three or four weeks is going to be what are you seeking this Christmas season? You know, our level of joy is, is directly affected by what we seek. What, what we seek at Christmas time is directly to. Directly related to what our level of joy will be if we seek gifts and we don't get them, our level of joy our expectations is not going to be met if uh, we seek to be with family but our family's thousands of miles away and we can't get to them and that's our expectations for Christmas is a Christmas miracle to be with family maybe it's loved ones that passed on sometimes our our Christmas needs aren't met we don't we don't realize our our Christmas expectations and what they are and uh so our joy is directly affected by that so my question for you is what are you seeking this Christmas season and I want to encourage you seek stuff that you can obtain seek stuff that'll come true you know if you know your wife will buy you something ask her for that don't ask her for a new truck if you can't afford a new truck that's not fair to her or you And uh, so our our, our level of joy is affected by what we see. And I want to look at the wise men today. This is a story in in the Bible that we don't know much about. We just know that they're called Magi. They're called wise men. So we have to dive into historical writings to find out who these guys really are. And so I want you to bear with me today. I'm going to set a scene of who the wise men really are, you know. A lot of times we let Hallmark set our scenes of what Christmas looks like. And how many of y'all guys are stuck watching the Hallmark channel at home? My goodness, help me! I make, I'm gonna make sure next time I sign up for Direct TV, the Hallmark channel is not on there. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell my poor wife that. She's not in here right now, so I can say that. Don't tell her either. <laughs> Well, let's look at the key text for the next few weeks. Matthew 2, 1 through 12, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. And it says King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. Why was he agitated at this? Why was he mad at this? Those are some of the questions we're going to answer today. As was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law, and he asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born at? So this is an interesting question. Herod's asking, asking the guys, what does the prophecy say? Well, what did Isaiah say? Where, where did they say that, that this king this Savior, this Messiah, would be born. Herod's acknowledging this fact. He's saying, where does it say he would be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be called the shepherd for my people Israel. And then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. This word wise men, we're going to see it a lot in, the, in, the, in our text today. They're going to be called magi. They're going to be called wise men. They're going to be called astrologers because they're all of these things. This word wise men, if you look at the original Greek, it is magi. And so he asked he the magi. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem, and it went ahead of them and stopped over the place. Well, excuse me, I got ahead of myself. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Herod says, go find the baby. Go find find this king that you're looking for. Go find him, but come back and see me when you're through, because I want to go worship him too. See, Herod had evil intentions. He said, go find him, and let me know when you find him. So after this interview, the the Magi went their way, and the the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house. Notice it says house. It doesn't say manger. This is another hallmark misconception. And saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests, and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod, because Herod had evil intentions. Who are these Magi, these wise men that we read about? All we have is, is this chapter here that explains who they are, where they're from. We know they're from the East. But we have to dig into historical writings and historical readings, and we we have to read about them, and we have to study about them to find out who they really are. And so I've been doing that over the past few weeks. I've been studying the wise men. In fact, my brain is blowing up with the word Magi in it right now. And uh, it's kind of been an invasion. Because I'm very perplexed at who these guys are. Why were they so amazed with this star? Why did they know that he was the king? How did they know that he was the king? Uh, What what made them say we're looking for the king of the Jews that is born in this city? Why did they think he was in the city? Why did they go first there instead of to the house where the star was above? Why did they do these things? These are all questions that I've asked and I've wondered and and so I've dug deep and I've studied to answer these questions for you today. Hallmark card people tell us there are three guys. How do they get that number three? Matthew doesn't say there's three. How do they know there's three? And they put them on a Christmas card with a star star on camels. How do they know they rode camels? Did Hallmark dig? Did they, did they study? Did they look or? Did they just draw a picture that looks pretty for Christmas to sell us cards and to sell us ornaments for our tree? Who truly are these guys? How do they know he is the one? That word wise men translates to magos, magi or magoi. And the word actually means a foreign origin a foreign orient, a a magician, an oriental scientist by implication, a sorcerer, a wise man. Did God really send sorcerers to find the newborn king? Or is that just a, a play on words? Are you interested now? It's just about an untranslatable word. Through digging through history, we can find that it represents a certain tribe of people. They're said to be kings. They're said to be Magi. Matthew says they came from the east. He doesn't give us their names or, or anything else. He just says they come from the east. So we have to piece it together historically. And we have fascinating history, believe it or not, to pull it from. Some of them are the writings of Rhodotus and, and other historians that we read about. And, and so we read about these things and, and we learn about different empires of the world in doing such. And and in the world, we've had four major empires in the history of the world. There's the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, which we believe the Magi come from, or we know the Magi come from, uh, the Grecian Empire, and the Roman Empire. Many theologians trace the Medes all the way back to the time of Abraham. Uh, You'll hear me say Medes, Medo, Magi, it all relates to the Persian Empire. And, And so... They, they trace these guys back to the Persian Empire, but they can also trace them back to the times of Abraham. So what are they doing in the Babylonian Empire? What are they doing where they doing where, where, where the Chaldeans are? And we can trace them back to Ur when, when Abraham's being taken out of Ur, from Ur into the Chaldees, we can, we can trace them there and then we can even trace them back to the times of Daniel. And so these wise men are a group of priests who've been around for a long, long time. They've been around through ancient history. They're known the world over because of their wisdom and, the, and their studies. They loved astrology and astronomy, and, and they studied these things. So a star to them would be very perplexing when they're studying the skies on a nightly routine. It's actually the word magi is where our term magician comes from. It's not that they dabbled in sorcery. It's actually a synonym for sorcery is the word magician. It's not that they were sorcerers. It's not that they were anything like this. They were more of a a pagan sect, more of a a pagan priesthood that didn't believe in Jesus, but actually they believed in one true God, just like we do. And they believed in one God, and that will relate to the story as we go on. During the Babylonian Empire, these Magi's were in Babylon, which at the time is heavily influenced by the Jews at this, this time of history. Uh, and the Magi played a key role in all this. They were, they were high-ranking officials due to their intuition, their wisdom, their knowledge, and their astrology skills. They would have sat in the palace of who we call Nebuchadnezzar. And so how do we know that, Pastor? Well, I'm about to read it to you. We also know that during this time that Nebuchadnezzar has taken over Judah, which is a Jewish stronghold. And when he takes over Judah, he uh, takes all the most brilliant, all the most brilliant, the wisest of the young men that are Jewish young boys. He takes all these Jewish young men and he enslaves them and he takes them captive and he brings them back to Babylon with him to serve in his court. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't a foolish man. He wanted the smartest men around him. So he captures Judah and he takes these young men and he brings them to his court. Meaning these young men you'll recognize in your Bible like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And then you'll also recognize Daniel who we all know was thrown into the lion's den to be eaten. These are all young men that were taken captive and made to come serve in the courts of Nebuchadnezzar. So let's start in Daniel 2. One through six. I'll give you a second to turn. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such a disturbing dream, he couldn't sleep. He called in, there's this word, magicians, which also is the same word we translate to magi, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. See where I'm going here? Astrologers, magicians. These are the Magi, these are the wise men. This is the same Oriental priestly group that we're talking about in Matthew 2. And he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed as they stood before the king. And he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. And the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic and said, Long live the king. Tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. But this didn't amuse the king. King already told him what the dream is. He's looking for an answer, and so they get fancy and say it in Arabic, and, and they say, "Tell me what. The, tell, long live the king! Tell us the dream. We'll tell you what it means." They give him a little riddle, and the king's not amused. And here's the king's response: The king said to the astrologers, "I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, I'm going to tear you limb from limb." And your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I'll give you wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. In other words, tell me what the dream means. These are his wisest guys. He went to the Magi. He went to the wise men. He goes to the court. He says, I want you to tell me. I can't sleep. Tell me what this dream is. It's bugging me. It's perplexing me. And if you don't tell me what it is, I'm going to kill you. Tell me what it is, I'll give you jewels, I'll give you gifts, I'll give you whatever you want, but I won't be able to sleep. You know, when you're king, you can throw money around. He said, I'll throw money around, I don't care what it takes to tell me what the dream is. But there's another consequence of that. If not, I'm going to kill you, and this is real important today. Because Daniel's about to do something. That's going change, to change everything for these wise men. In Daniel 2.24, then Daniel goes into which whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. They didn't answer his dream. They've been ordered to be executed. And Daniel said to him, don't kill the wise men. Take me to the king, and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. In other words, this is real important for history reason. Now, I want you to listen closely. Daniel saves the lives of the Magi. He saves their lives. Somebody saves your life. You have influence with them, don't you? Immediately, it gives you credibility. Immediately, they want to do something to thank you. Immediately, they want they're on your side. There, there's some kind of connection that happens. We see it through watching TV and, and watching all the cases on TV where, where people in near-death situations and someone has saved their life and. There's a a bond that happens that lasts lasts almost eternally when somebody saves your life. These guys, I'm sure, are down in the dungeon at this point, and, and they're about to be killed, and Daniel interprets the dream and saves their life. The wisest men in the court couldn't do it, but Daniel did it. He interpreted the dream. Daniel 4, 7 through 9. When all the magicians, and chanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream. But they could not tell me what it meant. At last, Daniel came in before him. And I told him the dream. His name was Belshazzar, after my God. He liked Daniel so much and thought Daniel was so wise that he named him Belshazzar. He named him after his own God that he had created. Nebuchadnezzar did. Named him after his own God that he created. This boy has so much wisdom, I'm going to name him after the own God that I've created for myself because this boy's wisdom is beyond anything I've ever seen. And the spirit of the holy gods is in him. In fact, I said to him, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians. In other words, at this point in time, David's become chief of the Magi. He's over all of them. I know the Spirit of the Holy God is in you, and that there is no mystery too great for you to solve. Then in Daniel five eleven we read, There's a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign this man was found to have insight, understanding, and wisdom like that of the gods, your predecessor the king, your predecessor King Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief over all the Magi, then chanters, then strollers. Astrologers, the fortune tellers of Babylon, this man Daniel, who the king named Belshazzar, has exceptional ability and is filled with divine knowledge and understanding. Daniel is literally the chief over the whole priestly group known as the Magi. He is their chief. He is over them. He's in charge of them, and he saved their life. And you say, well, pastor, what about when they had him thrown into the lion's den? Well, that wasn't the Magi that did that. That was the Satraps. It was another, another group within the king's palace that had Daniel thrown into the, into the lion's den. That wasn't the wise men. See, Daniel had influence with these guys. He was in charge of them. At this point in time in history, they became where they, they loved him because he saved their lives. Now, some of this is my conclusion. I just want you to know that. It, it's not read in the Bible, but I'm telling you, you saved somebody's life. What happened? I said, Well, you know, they threw him in the lines. Then I researched it. It wasn't them that threw him in there, it was just the traps. It wasn't wasn't the my guy who did that. Don't you think if you got a guy you're working with every day, he's in charge of you, he saved your life, and you think that you've got all the wisdom, you've got all the knowledge, but there's questions you can't answer, but you got this young man. This young man who believes in a one true living God who's walking with you and he has all the answers. He can answer every dream. He can do everything that you can't do. His wisdom is beyond yours in years. Because he serves a true and living God, which they did not. Don't you think you'd be interested in the God he would serve? We know for a fact that Daniel is an upstanding Christian young man. We know for a fact that Daniel Daniel has principles that he will stand. He won't bow. It got him thrown in the lion's den. And when we see him thrown into the lion's den, what does the king say? The king says, Daniel, I know your God will deliver you. That's what the king said about Daniel. If the king's saying that about him, what are the magi saying about him? Daniel has the influence. Don't you think that while they're sitting there in the courts and these wise men who, who've studied history, who, who's been a priestly group, for we can trace back to Genesis. They've been a priestly group and they're, they're from the, the Persian Empire. Don't you know that they study the stars? They study everything. They write it down. Don't you know they're taking notes and they're listening to Daniel as he speaks and, and they're listening of the prophecies of old. And Daniel's telling them about the prophecy of a soon coming king. Don't you think he's sharing all of his Jewish beliefs because of who he is with these guys? We know for a fact the Magi were religious people. We know from history that they believed in a singular God. We know from a fact that they sacrificed, just like uh, the Jewish people sacrificed animals to God. We know that they, they would take the blood and they would pour it and they would consume the rest of the, of the sacrifice. We know that all the stuff that they did was, was totally similar to how the Jewish people believed. It, it's all similar. It's all same. So, so wouldn't you think they'd come to a realization that Daniel's God is the true living God, just like the king had? That's my conclusion. That's what I would think. Now, it's not written here, but according to history, we know that they were looking for the star. We know that they come to the city asking, where is the king? We know that during the time of Christ, from historical writings at the Eastern Empire, there's a ruling body called the Megastanes, who are similar to our senate. Here in the United States, they they controlled and completely ruled the Parthian Persian Empire at the time, and they were totally composed of Magi. We know that from history. We also know that it was the Magi's complete job to ordain and to set in the kings. That was their job. It was their job to solely... Set in the kings. We know that in this time, in this season of their lives, that they wanted to fight Rome. We know that they had a loser of a king. His name was the Fourth, And the IV had been disposed, and they're looking for a new king. They want a new king. It's just my conclusion and my imagination maybe that through history and reading all this stuff in history, that they're looking for a king. That their ancestors who served with Daniel, who we know would write, who were very educated, wise guys. It's just my conclusion that when they saw the star in the sky, they said the prophecy has been fulfilled. We're looking for a king, and he is here. They, along with the Jewish people, had been in search of a Messiah. But unlike the Jewish people, they see the star. They were known as the kingmakers, this group. Known as the kingmakers. Don't you think if there was a group on this earth known as the kingmakers, that God could just orchestrate things the way he does, in his prophetic nature, that he could set up the Magi, and he could set up Daniel's captivity to usher in the newborn king. In all of his wisdom, in all of his greatness, that he could orchestrate history where these two groups are together at the same time, and they're learning all the prophecies, all the Jewish tradition, getting ready for what God is about to do. I don't know about you, but this makes me excited. You realize that, king, that Herod's nickname given to him by Caesar was king of the Jews? Herod's nickname that Caesar gave him was king of the Jews because he ruled over the Jewish people. He was set in by Rome to rule over the Jewish people. So the Magi, it's just, let's just play this out in history. And what, what else do we know about the Magi is they were, they were very powerful they had money. They had influence. And they probably didn't ride into town on camels. They probably rode in on Persian steeds. They probably rode into town not alone either. They probably rode into town with the Calvary. So they see the stars. It rises in the sky. And as they're studying the stars, they see something different. They see something new, and they say, that's not a star in heaven. There's something different about that star what is it? What's different about that star? And one of them said, I remember the writings of my forefathers, of the prophecy of a soon-coming king. And so they load up the steeds, they load up the cavalry, they load up the gold and the gifts, because they're going to find a king. They prepare, they get on their cavalry, and they travel. Another misnomer is that The baby was still a little bitty baby. We know from history that Jesus was probably anywhere from one to two years of age when they find him in the house. So, And we know that because Herod Herod had them, if you read the text, Herod had them go back and look, and he said, When did you first see the star? And then he sent them to kill every baby from the year of two years of age down to make sure he covered all of it because he didn't want somebody taking his title, king of the Jews. And so they they get on their steeds and they ride into town. They ride into town and say, where is this king of the Jews? See, they don't go straight to the star. And why is that? Why do they ride into town? Because, see, they're expecting the king to be in the palace. They're expecting the king to be born where he should be born. They're not looking in a manger. They're not looking in a house that's that's not in the main part of the city. So they ride in the city asking all the people, where is this that is born, the king of the Jews, so that we may worship him? And if we read that word deeply disturbed, Herod, they said Herod became deeply disturbed. In the Greek, that word actually means agitated, kind of like your washing machine. It kind of shakes back and forth. That's what agitate means. I think Herod, when he saw who he knew were the kingmakers, ride into town on Persian steeds with a full cavalry, he began to shake a little bit and says, what in the world are the Persians doing here? And then they came and said, we have come to find he that is born king of the Jews. In other words, Herod said, my replacement. They were prepared to find a king before they ever got there. That's why they brought the gifts. That's why they they were asking where the king was. And they hadn't visited Jesus yet. They knew he was a king before he got there. How did they know that? Was it because of the prophecy they learned when they spent time with Daniel? Is it because of the knowledge they learned about the one true living God? And so we read, they bring gifts. They brought gold. They brought silver. They, bought, they brought myrrh. You know what gold is? Gold is the metal of kings. It's an enduring symbol of incorruptible love. One thing we know about gold, it doesn't rust. doesn't easily tarnish. It doesn't oxidize. It's a metal that lasts forever, just like Jesus' kingdom would go on to last forever. It symbolizes spiritual and heavenly love. It's significant because the other gifts were temporary, but his kingdom would last forever. It was said that when the the king or Magi, it was said in history that when the king or Magi would go to, to see a newborn prophet, they would bring with them three gifts. They would bring the gold, they'd bring frankincense, and they'd bring myrrh anytime they were going to visit a prophet. And, and the wise tale was that, according to the, the Persian beliefs, that if they, they brought the gold, the myrrh, and the frankincense to the, to the prophet that was born, if, if he takes the gold, he's an earthly king. If he takes the frankincense, he's a god. And if he takes the myrrh, he's a healer. I got news for you. My Jesus took all three. You know why? Because he not only was he a king, he was our God, he was our healer, he was our redeemer, he was every bit of that. Jesus came to be all of these things for you. What do you seek this Christmas season? Do you seek a king? Do you seek a healer? Do you seek a prophet? What do you seek this Christmas season? Do you seek gifts? Do you seek things for yourself? Do you seek, Or are you seeking him so that you can help others? What is it that we're doing this Christmas season? Because what you seek, you normally find. I know that. When, I, when I'm seeking a new pair of shoes, I do anything I can to find me that new pair of shoes. I wear 16. It's hard to find regular shoes. i got to seek for them. i got to look for them. I don't get the latest style. I go to, I go to Academy. they got one pair that fits me. i got to order them online. And so I've got I to seek for my shoes. I've got to look for them. But if I seek hard enough, I, I can find the pair I want. My question for you this Christmas season, in this journey we're taking, what are you following? What are you seeking? What are you look for? I'm praying you'll find it. Dave and them are going to begin to play. Our prayer partners are going to come. And I'm believing that the same God that could orchestrate some guys all the way from the Persian Empire to be in the middle of the Babylonian Empire during the days of Daniel could orchestrate you to be in here at this service for today I believe in that the same God who sent wise men from afar who saw a star and knew there was a king my question for you today is do you know that king have you ever Sought after Him. Have you ever found Him? Because just like the wise men, He'll change your life. He'll do things for you you never dreamed. It says in my, in my Bible, Matthew 21, 22, if we ask anything in His name, believing it shall be done. It says in Romans 10:13. everyone that calls on His name shall be saved. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, you've never found Him in a real way, He wants to do that for you today. All you have to do is ask, and you can receive. You can say, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner, but I believe, I believe you're the king just like the wise men did. I believe that you died for me, and on that third day you rose again. I confess, Father, all my sins before you, and I accept you as my king today, and he'll save you. He'll set you free. He'll do all that for you. Today, maybe you need you need the other gift. Maybe you have sickness in your body and you need healing. He'll do that for you as well. I'm going to ask everybody to stand with me today. The altars are open. If you're get our guests, I'm going to dismiss you at this time. If you're you're a member of this church, I'd, I'd ask you to please stay for our Christmas trail meeting today. Father.